This episode of AVXL is recorded on November 2nd, 2019. We're going to talk about the end of the content wars, the end of Mr. Speakers, the new Aeon 2, new TVs and projectors, looking forward to Black Friday, and just what the hell we've been up to. All that and so much more coming up on AVXL. Testing one, two, three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Welcome to AVXL, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear. No matter what your budget is, I'm Patrick Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron. And it has been too long, and I'm just going to say I apologize, but life has been unhinged. And let me tell you something, audio in an Airstream is a complicated endeavor. <laughs> I, I feel you, man. It has been way too long. Yeah, it turns out when you have an aluminum can it may not be the ideal environment to reproduce the audio experience. But uh, I'll get into more into that another time. First of all, big shout out to our patrons who have been super patient with us. Getting the ball rolling, baby. It's like the beginning of the end of the content wars. Amazon won't sell Apple devices. Apple won't let their app anywhere. The Adobe, and we talked about this earlier this year, as an Amazon Prime member to finally have the video show up on the Apple TV so I don't have to switch my family between two different boxes, which oddly enough just always seemed more complicated to them than it did to me was a big challenge. But of course, you still can't watch YouTube on an Amazon Buyer device, but what you can now just in time for the launch of Apple TV Plus is get an Apple TV app on the Amazon Fire TV stick. I think possibly... These are all devices I do not use. It's funny. A lot of people do use them. (laughs) I know. It's a large market. Well, I feel like Apple has spent so much money launching their video programming. The numbers vary from astronomical to astronomical plus. Uh, Everyone with a huge bank account who has some content in their libraries, is now trying to become the next Netflix, or at least get a part of that big pie. There are a lot of Apple TV shows And I I think what you just described, though, in terms of the the ability to not watch what you want Mm -hmm. on any particular device of your choosing, some of that's understandable, at least Mm -hmm. coming from the Apple ecosphere, but in my own mind, it's like I'm I'm so past that at this point where... I will simply ignore that content and go look for other sources that play just nicely with everything I look at. Yeah. I mean, we won't even get into the whole launch of the Disney programming this week or Apple TV. And that's part of it, too. Some of that content is precious to people, particular forms of content, be it, you know, what Netflix has in terms of their own in-house content to Disney and their entire library now on a totally unique platform that's different and separate. Somebody's noticed one of the interesting things... uh, people were talking about was now that Disney owns Fox, they have been in traditional Disney fashion. They've been pulling classic content back inside the yeah. walls, right? Great. So I remember a friend of mine being really exciting. So my, my Firefly no longer appears on my Netflix subscription. <laughs> Which is <laughs> or, or so profoundly wrong I can't even get started. But but you know and it we, just sucks that it's becoming a walled environment mm-hmm. with these mega companies. Right vacuuming up all the content they can possibly legitimately own. Right. And it's just turning into this new walled cities of whose content are you going to pay for? They're not walled cities, Robert. Anyone who wants to pay us X dollars a month has access to all of the content we choose to provide to them. This dream I had of having all content out there and I could pay piecemeal for it is not happening. <laughs> well, if it is happening, right, you, you know, there's, it, it there's a ton like, of stuff you is, can buy through Amazon Prime. Or I have to subscribe stuff. to two or three sources right. now to get the majority of what I want. I've been frustrated. I don't mind, but I, that ain't what I was looking for in the That end. wasn't the dream. No. You know. it, it sucks that there are so many mega gate holders now, or key masters in a sense, to the various oh, types nice. of content we all know and love. Well, it, it was... Uh, that's why I love YouTube, to be honest with you. I mean, granted, that's its own little interesting community in and of itself, but... It's such an open platform, and yeah. there's such a variety. Granted, you're not going there for entertainment value, per se, or right. just escapism, although that's all there. It's just a bizarre time where I'm bummed that there are definitely now categories of content right. that I can only get in specific places, Yeah, and I have to go pay those gatekeepers in order to access it. And it that, was... that, to me, is... I have no problem paying for content. It's just... Man, I don't want three, four subscriptions to different services just to get one or two things right. again. Otherwise, I'm right back to cable TV all over again where it's, okay, I'm paying a, a decent amount of money now <laughs> to get a bunch of crap I don't want in addition to the very few things I do. We had an interesting moment where, so Netflix did a new movie 
based on Invader Zim. Invader Zim was, I want to say, a Cartoon Network or, or a, Nickelodeon, uh, a Nickelodeon show. It's been really odd because one of the things that came back to me was, A, like watching the Invader Zim movie, and my kids loved it, and it's hysterical because my wife and I are huge fans. All I'm going to say is, why is there bacon in the soap? And anybody who's watched Invader Zim is now giggling to themselves because they can hear Gurr going, I did it myself. And uh, if that means nothing to you, you have to watch Invader Zim for it to make any sense. Um, but we went to the kids are like, you know, what is this? And we went to show them like season one of Invader Zim. And... Of course, that was one of those things that was, I'm almost positive it was Nickelodeon now, um, where it was digitized at, at a time when they were just hurling up the worst possible... Oh, um, your quality crap. Yeah, it was Nickelodeon. Uh, John and Vasquez did it for Nickelodeon, where we went to show them the original version, and it's like a 480-ish encoding, I'll, and it's I'll get it's into this horrendous. later, but... Yeah, streaming is not your primary source of content that you would use to show off your gear. Sure. Or even this the isn't even it's content. Even. But this isn't even content I would use to show off my gear. It's just wanting to see something being like this looks like crap, uh, and it's the only. It's, it's like you know, it's uh, like this. I have a whole thread on this. I will soon get into related to projectors and other okay. things. But but it's but it's <laughs> you know, but it's frustrating. Right? If I'm going to pay for this content, if I'm going to pay out of pocket to own. Uh, this content on whatever platform, it should at least not be embarrassingly bad. And this right. this is not a new problem. I mean, we've talked about this before. The launch of of Blu-ray, where it was like they grabbed a bunch of distribution prints, oh, telecinted the them. Yeah, in the in the in the, literally at the launch, we were we were looking like literally we were sitting in your lab, real looking at hit each or other, miss, man, going like, wow, this is staggeringly like you were like watching a hair that was caught in the frame of the of the telemin machine, or there were physical scratches yes. from projection runs and we were just like this looks great if you ignore the fact that they used an unbelievably crappy source over time dramatic improvements in yes. coding qualities how blu-ray looks and now we have uhd blu-ray if these mega companies are hoovering up all yeah. this content and they're not even or, they're, deliver or simply you. not even hoovering it but just pulling it back inside of their own paywall exactly so i mean seven dollars I, I i gotta say to, to disney's credit seven dollars a month is not painful um, if it if it's got enough content to make it worth your time, yeah, that's not a horrible price. That's half of what YouTube charges me for HDR access. Right. YouTube, uh, actually, I do pay for YouTube now, so I don't have to watch commercials. But <laughs> Netflix, in particular, if you want that 15 megabit stream, that's about 15 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But so, yeah, it's like so. You know, Disney Plus is at seven dollars, and and for you the know, 480 version. And you think about it, right, Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, all the Disney stuff. Um, like Avengers Endgame is going to end up being there like December 11th. It's It's been interesting. And, you know, explaining this to children is is just such an awesome experience where, you know, <laughs> you know, so somebody's like, why do you own Blu-rays? I'm like, because oh, I have the goodness. delete expletive content and I never have to pay somebody else again. So, you know, I guess Disney Plus is in, in pre-order. That starts streaming uh, November 12th. So if you are buying Apple Video, Apple TV, at least if you are also an Amazon user at this point. Right you have more access between those two devices. Right. That that helps a lot. I mean, that was the annoyance I went through with Google and Amazon. Mm -hmm. Watching those two where it's like, oh, yeah, if you have our device, you ain't going to use their app or right. vice versa. And those annoyances are just that. I and think it's, it's why I am truly a proponent of agnostic devices. As agnostic as possible, at least. Right. In terms well, of just when, a... Roku is pretty much the agnostic device at this point. As much as they um, can. You be. know, we could talk about Plex. Not too much, because Plex is a sponsor of me on This Week in Computer Hardware, so I don't want people no, to be like they're a sponsor. That's a tool but, you can do a lot yeah, with. You can do a lot with. Um, the Apple TV Plus launch has been kind of hysterical. Like, the, the five that everybody are talking about are For All Mankind... General consensus, it's a difficult crime, but an interesting sort of alt-history looking at the space race with the Soviet Union and the United States. Uh, as a huge fan of Emily Dickinson, I find Dickinson emotionally traumatic. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's like a, it's, it's a comedy, which is not, uh, well, I certainly think Emily Dickinson has had a sense of humor. Um, you know, Emily Dickinson. Are you talking about a video? This is a new series on Apple TV+. Oh, Plus. Okay. Um, Things I would never find. Well, or yes. know about otherwise. Yeah, it's a you know, but okay. I, I'm a as a, as an English major, I am a Emily Dickinson, one of my favorite poets of all time, certainly in my top three, if not my favorite. Cool. Um, but she's like a teenage rebel, gotcha. and she's pissed off. 
there's twerking. There's Billie Eilish. Um, nice. You know, Wiz Khalifa plays death. Um, or, or is the... Uh, He's the best. As Esquire put it, the embodiment of death in himself. Um you know, anyway, it's it's a it <laughs> sounds like one to check out. Yeah, it's an uh, exclusive on Apple TV. Yeah, C. It's a sci-fi saga, and it's a point where uh, humans are no longer born with sight; they can't see. Oh, bummer, man. Um, the Elephant Queen, which is following a uh, elephant herd across Africa, and then the Morning Show, which is probably a big money sink for them, where it's Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Um, which is like it has like a Game of Thrones budget. Okay, it, it is. They are spending a lot of money. Steve Carroll's a part of it. Really, really amazing cast. The script is kind of all over the map, but it's it's it, worth I will, checking out. It, worth checking out if you're a fan of certainly of Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, or Steve Carroll, uh, or you know television shows built around you know producing television shows. But I will be curious to see where Apple Plus TV is or Apple TV Plus is in six months and a year from now. I will also be very curious to see where Disney Plus is. I'm also really amused that everybody is doing like their brand name Plus. It will be very curious. Uh, I also was, was laughing because a friend of mine was like, they didn't announce a new Apple TV for Apple TV Plus. And I'm like, well, no, they have everything they need. They don't 8Ks too early. They have a 4K machine. They don't want to drop the prices on any of their hardware because they're losing so much money on iPhones, although they made more money on iPhones uh, in this quarter than they did in the last quarter, despite the fact they made more profit on their iPhones, despite the fact they sold fewer iPhones, which is fascinating and a very Apple kind of thing to do. They're not bringing out a new Apple. TV, but what they are doing is making the Apple TV app available on non-Apple devices, which to me is mind-boggling. It has um, to be, otherwise, it'll never, yeah, it'll never enter my sphere of no. listening and watching. So. Well, they're also it's one of their big like there was everybody in their planet like Apple and Samsung and and seems like three thousand other tech companies I, did. I'm in a household of Apple users too. Yeah, so it's not like I don't see these devices and content. You just but don't touch them. No. It's, it's not available in the general sphere of right. a universal device like my Roku. But well, anyway. it is, you know, it, it's certainly moving in that direction. Yeah. Let me just double check. Apple TV. Apple I, TV app. Roku. I'm bummed PlayStation View is going away. If I have to bring up one thing real quick in the oh. news, they are announcing the shutdown. Apple TV app is now a, pl- a channel on the Roku platform. I, it, it has everything. That's, it has uh, everything. If it ain't there, I don't see it. So. I got to say, but I had to mention though, real quick, that seeing one of my favorite live TV distributors right now mm-hmm. say, "Hey, we couldn't find a buyer for our product, and we're just basically closing down PlayStation View as of January." Right, and that now is a sign that the market is condensing for those type of services. YouTube TV, they seem to have an unlimited budget, as well, you given would how think much from a money, company like that. Yeah, <laughs> given how much money uh, Alphabet, nay Google, has stashed away in various corners of the planet, uh, it would it would make sense. Every major sporting event now seems to be partially co-sponsored by YouTube TV, and that seems to be one that's going to be around for a little bit. But PlayStation View was one that just simply worked, and it worked really well on a variety of platforms. I have some sadness seeing that go right. away, because it was a solid option. One of my go-to first options that I recommended to plenty right. of people. It's now going away, and will this transition into something that becomes more of a condensing moment, where all of these companies that are providing these live TV stri- services... Right are now, well, man, we can't make any money at this unless we really jack up our rates. Part of it's money. Part of it, I think, is control. Part of it is also still people are really angry that Netflix made so much money off of the catalog they licensed from stars. I think some of it's vengeance. Yeah. I mean, I'm also really curious. Like, I'll end up paying for Disney Plus simply because I'm curious about Star Wars The Mandalorian. 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 Star Wars The Mandalorian. Um, the Marvel Mandalorian. Hero Project. Um, you know, the whole Disney's monsters at work. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like, the Loki series. I'm really curious to see how these turn out. My wife and I... We don't read a lot of comic books, but there's some pretty amazing storytelling being done in comic books. And at oh, one point, I was course. curious about, uh, at one point, I was a saga, by the way, which uh, if it doesn't come off of hiatus, I'll just burst into tears forever. That's an extraordinary storytelling uh, and, and, and visual and, and actual written storytelling. It's an extraordinary comic book. But What um, comic book? Saga. Saga. If you haven't read Saga, Saga is gotcha. completely worth your time. But... I was laughing because a friend of mine was like, oh, you need to read this and that and the other thing and this and this. And it was like, it was, I was like, wait a minute, wait that. And he's, and then he's explaining me like the Marvel universe reboots. And I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with this. 
you know, and and there's there's some moments where I'm starting to feel that that's coming on with with the Marvel video universe. Like now they've wrapped this like 21 movie saga, and Spider-Man's going back into Sony, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh god, like now Marvel's going to do that thing where there's an event and everything changes, and they they get to reboot all their storytelling again, and I'm just like, I can't, I don't think I can deal with it emotionally. It's just too much, too much. Done and done. Oh my goodness. What's up with Mr. Speakers? So I get this email and I was freaking out because it was like, so I was was actually talking to him on the phone right before we started the podcast, uh, Jude Mancy over at HeadFi, um, because it was like, you know, the end of Mr. Speakers was like part of the title for... What's the favorite product they make? That you're a fan the of. The Aeon. Actually, there's a, the I have a pair of them right here. Uh, headphones. Mr. Speaker's makes headphones. Okay. Um, Mr. Speaker's, like, the Aeon was amazing because, like, the Aeon was half the price of the flagship headphone. Uh, and I think, in many ways, delivered all of the performance of the flagship headphone. Always and, a nice uh, thing to see. Dan Clark, who's the principal of Mr. Speaker's, is trying to deliver uh, extraordinary value. He's somebody who I think really wants to take care of his customers. You know, it's not a constant, like, we're going to throw out a new thing and it may sound better and it may sound Has worse. Has their speakers been sold? Uh, no, uh, they brought on somebody else to manage the company and they decided to, or, or they, they brought in a sort of an industry veteran to take on a lot of the day-to-day corporate operations and to help grow the company so that Dan Clark can concentrate on what Dan Clark does best, which is making amazing delete expletive headphones. And, uh, you know, oh, your strengths. Oh my goodness. And, uh, his strengths are pretty freaking strong. Like the, the Vache, which is their electrostatic headphone, uh, is extraordinary. It's not cheap. By the time no, you get a headphone amplifier and the headphone, you're somewhere between five and ten grand because the quality headphone... things in a business being revamped so that the the designer extraordinaire can spend more time yeah. creating awesome, cool stuff. Yeah, that ain't I was, bad. I was a little heartbroken like because a bad thing at all. What's the name of the company now? Dan Clark Audio. Aww. So DanClarkAudio.com is a website, and so the Aeon Two is their first new product. So I am an insane fan of the Aeon. They were selling for like eight hundred dollars new. Um, I bought it a set used off of like Audio Gone because it's it's a headphone I've desperately wanted since the first time I heard it, which was as a beta before they launched it. Um, and uh, audio.com. And he made a lot of changes. First of all, it's now collapsible, so it's friendlier for traveling. It takes up like nice. a third of the space of the original case. Does, I kind of right? appreciate that yeah. feature. It's pretty slick, and they radically changed the driver design and. Uh, where they you know they flip the driver 180 degrees, the magnet and the flow structures, which are essentially right. We've talked about planar magnetics. Yeah. You, you have magnets. You energize the super thin plasticky material that has uh, you know uh, what do you call the little the driver? Yeah, but what do you oh. what do you call the lines on a circuit board? I had a brain. traces traces. Basically, essentially, they have traces on the surface of a thin sheet of plastic, and they run the electricity through that, and that works oh, wow. against the the magnets, and that's what moves this big wall of of air towards your ears. So they changed the driver structure. They they turned it 180 degrees. This is uh, the Aeon twos. This is the Aeon twos. And Jude was saying like he's heard him, and he's like, I think they're vastly better than the originals. Do you feel that it's uh, a step up from the original? I, I, from, from what I am told by people that have heard it, it oh, okay. is a huge step up from the original. So, What are we talking price-wise, though? About $900. Is that similar to what it was? Yeah. It's, it, maybe it's similar, maybe $100 more. Ah, um, still. If you, you know. if you had like what's considered a great set of cans from one company, well, what's... and they've went through it, reworked it and come up with yeah. version two that they're clearly excited about for about the same price or maybe to a little bit more. But well, the way that the way that the, still the way that sounds the, like a good win. Dan Clark puts it. He's like, look, yeah, they're $900, but you're going to spend like 10, 15, 20 grand on a set of speakers. It sounds this good. That's that's like his value yeah. proposition in one sense. And also, you know, there's a audio for you. Audio for you. And I'm I'm looking forward to hearing them. I don't know when I'll get a chance to hear them, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure excited. that'll happen sooner than later. Hopefully, yeah. If nothing else, certainly by whenever Can Jam is, or or you know, if I can, if I can con them into loaning me a set to test, or if I can get down to San Diego. But I'm uh, <laughs> don't tell my wife I said that; she'll freak out. Uh, but I'm 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 very much looking forward to hearing them. If nothing else, like the folding structure is really really smart, so that they you know they flip inside, so that they take up less space when you're traveling. Heck yeah! There's a lot of headphone companies that vomit out new models like every 15 minutes, which I'm exaggerating slightly, but. There are a lot of headphone companies, no, but especially you think of like Beats Audio. Yeah, they had a couple of really good, interesting first designs, and then it all just exploded into just 
oh, color yeah. is now more important than quality and design and bling. And yeah. now the company's almost gone back with their new <laughs> pro model to making good sounding stuff again. But I hear you. It's like there's a yeah. lot of... Well, there's, there's it companies sure making $600,000, $2,000 headphones where they've released a new model. And in some cases, it's like, I don't think this sounds better than the old model. In fact, it may sound worse. And they have a consumer base that will constantly buy the new model. So, you know, the interesting thing, everything I've heard new from Dan Clark Audio, where I've been like, you know, you can't get much better than this. You're like, wow, this is super impressive. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing those. And danclarkaudio.com is the website. And, you know, something else they do is they sell, like, like B-Stock or refurbished stuff. It's not really B-Stock. They call it refurbished. So you can get stuff. You know, the Aeon Flow, is, yeah, the Aeon Flow is $800, and you can buy the B-Stock for, like, $679. Nice. And uh, they do that for the, the Ether Open. The Ether C, which is their sealed headphone, is also probably my favorite sealed headphone ever. Nice. Where if you're in an environment where you can't have an open back headphone. Um, Good he, for Mr. Clark, man. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. Sounds, this sounds like an appropriate move for a company that's getting a little bit bigger where yeah. you can't do everything by yourself, especially if you're the... No, Mr. Wizard in terms of creating the products. And I think it's good when you can stay focused on what you do best (laughs) and let other people who do things really well focus on that for you. Synergy, baby. The other thing I want to mention is we get a lot of people asking for or maybe emailing or or, uh, contacting me looking for an inexpensive amplifier for their speakers maybe they they're, they're like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna stop listening on my my surround sound system i, I want to buy a set of speakers and amps get crazy right amps get crazy expensive crazy fast uh, especially if you start reading the audio file forums they're like, i would not use anything but oh whatever yeah you know i need fine corinthian you people trying to tell knobs. me that high bit rate audio sounds better than a CD. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure <laughs> it's there. I've, I've, I had an interesting conversation with somebody who said, look, there was one AB test where there were a couple people in the audience in the AB test where they actually were considering consistently picking the HD version of the track over the SD version of the track. I, yeah. And unlike we, some cases, these are the same mixes, but, yeah, for the vast majority of listening, you're not going to hear a difference. And in some cases, some horrible fringe cases, the HD tracks were actually upsampled from standard CD audio. You know, if you're looking for a solid amplifier to drive your speakers, it's not going to cost an arm and a leg. Emotiva, we've talked about this company. They're they're direct. You know, they're you, you go to their website, you order it, they send it to you from Tennessee. Their A100 Stereo Flex amplifier. I've been running one of those with a lot of different speakers, from incredibly efficient speakers to incredibly not efficient speakers, like my beloved beloved uh, Elax and uh, for 250 bucks that's a pretty phenomenal piece of engineering uh, inside that case is ridiculous they have a gigantic toroidal coil they have an excellent power supply to that you know is this the equivalent of like a three thousand dollar ATI amplifier no but it's a freaking 250 dollar amplifier it'll deliver it's like 50 watts into eight ohms 80 watts into four ohms you know and unless you have a insanely inefficient speaker trying to fill an insanely huge room this is more than enough amp for most people perfect uh, to get started that's one of my favorite companies too yeah i love their speaker designs well you know what else they got i love everything they do actually it just, uh, it's one of those companies where if i were going to stick with a brand and buy mm-hmm. all of their stuff uh, that's that's in my top three they're yeah they're really good they just value just yeah they, they, they make good stuff those it, air motif t2 not, speakers and t1 speakers are really impressive priced. no and it's funny, they have the same driver that's in the Airmotive T2 and T1 is in what they call their B1 Plus, which is a bookshelf speaker. Oh, yeah. You would want to pair that with a subwoofer when you had the cash to put it together. You know, but it's $229 for the B1 Plus, and it's essentially, you know, the same tweeter, that same, you know, uh, AMT tweeter. It's not AMT. They have their own name for it. But essentially that same folded ribbon tweeter right. that performs so extraordinarily Air motion in the T1 Plus and the T2 Plus and the T0. Or something like it. Or something like it. What's up with shit? Shit? Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Like, Dan Dude, Clark came favorite, out with news this favorite, week. Favorite <laughs> headphone amplifier ever. I have the Fulla. I have. I think it's the original Fulla. You have the Fulla or the Fulla 2? Yeah. The, the, uh, it's got the nice knob on it. and We uh, like knobs. It, it, <laughs> it drives my Sony headphones perfectly. And I use that on... That is the main audio on my PC. Apparently, they have something new. So they've come out with the, I want to say the Fuller 3 and the Hell. Oh. And uh, 
Essentially, I'm going to read their opening paragraph, you know, October 29th, from the press release, October 29th, 2019, Valencia, California, USA. Today, Shit Audio announced the immediate availability of a pair of gaming-focused desktop DAC amps, the Fuller 3 and the Hell. The Fuller 3 adds a versatile, high-quality microphone input to the popular Fuller 2, while the retail price remains at $99. Hell adds a much higher output 4X out of the Fuller 3, a stereo mic input with 24-bit ADC and front panel level control, as well as a switchable input and game for $189. Sweet. So, yeah, actually. So I can get a headphone input now for about the same price I just paid. Well, well a just. microphone input. Yeah. Or mic. Yeah. Excuse me. And and something, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of headphone companies, a lot of gaming companies, a lot of PC manufacturers, a lot of laptop manufacturers um, are all creating gaming headsets. We've talked about this before. I won't beat it. There's a there's a lot of gaming headsets that are A expensive, B mostly designed around aesthetics and LEDs, oh, and totally. C deliver incredibly crappy performance for the money you're paying. So what this is giving you is an opportunity to have a good DAC, a good headphone amplifier, uh, and a microphone input. And pick the products you want to connect to that. Exactly. It gives um, you great flexibility, and that's what I love about it. It's yeah. like, oh, you know what? It's someday I might not like my Sony headphones that I use them for editing and gaming and everything. All I have to do is unplug it, plug in something else, and I'm still using the same DAC, same uh, headphone amp. Yeah, in a sense, and it, it works great. And for the same price, being able to add that microphone input—that's the one thing I'm kind of missing. Where I'm either using a USB mic mm -hmm. or whatever or on those rare occasions i'll actually switch out to some crappy pair of game not crappy they're okay gaming headphones but they actually have a pretty decent mic on them but uh, that's like the one thing i was kind of missing from my original fulla so and that i'll i've said it before and i'll say it mm -hmm. again when you plug those devices into windows computers at least or when you look at the device name right it's like hi i'm full of shit and <laughs> it's like that kind of clever yeah cleverness in terms of engineering and little things like that and it irreverence just, it's yeah it makes me smile while i'm using it and i always giggle every time i see that pops up in the little tray it's like oh what device are you using for audio <laughs> hello fulla i love you so much oh my goodness anyway yeah, these are, but I that's mean, cool that's yeah. great and if you need a little bump the hell h-e-l h-e-l High power gaming and music DAC amp. Four um, X. Well, I love the fact like they're using an AKM AK forty four ninety for the DAC, the digital analog converter. They bumped the price up to one eighty nine, but that's still if you if you need that kind of power, would that be something that's good with like electrostatics or well, electrostatics require particular oh, headphones? Amps. But okay. with planar, if but you if have planars, you, yeah, planar magnetics, like and that's so that's one of the frustrations you go to most headphones are designed to operate off of a cell phone at this point right yeah. they're very yeah. modest they're, they're, the ohm rating's really low the power requirements are really low when you start getting into headphones where you can't turn the volume up and I, there's one I was using recently and I remember being like this is the kind of headphone you need a headphone app for god damn it right um, the hell would probably be something to consider would if, be something if you're to going down that, that road of like yeah well they're I mean their I goal the at this point is is they're like there's a lot of gamers who want a, a better audio experience experience and this is a way of doing it um, cool they're using some really nice DACs in these and they're using some really they're using some really nice analog to digital converters it's also like an all metal design at least yeah. my, my original fulla it, it, it's a fantastic little brick honestly I think I dumped a glass of water across my desk <laughs> and that thing got slightly damp shook it out it's still cruising yeah I, I, I well, would buy again and it's nice because most of most of what's inside of it okay so you know the DAC chip the ADC chip those are made in Japan but their PCBs are basically either made in Southern California or Nevada. Their chassis are made in Southern California. Um, they're designed in Southern California. Cool. Uh, the assembly That's actually really is nice made there. in the United States. Yeah, and I like that. Like, Dan Clark makes all of his stuff down in, in San Diego. I'll um, be honest. For as little money as I've spent on their products, I mean, granted, $100 for, like, a headphone amplifier, DAC. Right. That's not a lot, relatively. And the thing... Feels, but they're really good. Yeah, I mean, it feels great, and it, it gives me the kind of control I really like. A nice giant analog knob on my otherwise uh, fully digital computer. I was laughing because we've been I've been looking at doing using a uh, like a, a an iPad, like an iPad Mini perhaps as the head unit in my truck, and uh, I will say like part of me is like, how can I engineer a volume control into this? Because sometimes you don't want to like hit a button, hit a button. And do a slider yeah. when you can just reach over and Siri, crank turn the, volume up the volume down now. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, no, it's I like what shit's doing. You know, the Audio Quest Dragonfly, they just released the blue version. I'm just now testing that one out. Uh, that came out this summer. And uh, like, uh, entry-level Audio Quest Dragonfly back is a phenomenal and incredibly portable way to take this with you on the road or with a uh, lightning adapter or USB-C adapter to attach vastly better audio quality to your phone. Now, some had, you know, some phones actually have decent audio output. But, Many you know, do. I'm I finally, shocked. I finally, yeah, it used to be really bad. Yeah. And I never realized how bad, because iPhone's audio is, the iPhone audio has always been pretty, pretty good. The the amps aren't the best, but they were always solid. They weren't bad. It wasn't until I had, I had a, a, a relatively inexpensive LG phone that I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I couldn't drive a, a, a fairly easy to drive set of headphones, and the headphone amp was really, really crappy. And I was like, oh, this is why people are, are using outboard DACs and the headphone amps on their phones. I finally upgraded to an iPhone 8, which, of course, doesn't have a headphone jack. After I dropped my uh, Motorola G6 in the toilet and it died, um, so I no longer have 400 gigabytes of music on demand, and I don't have a headphone jack. And that was a terrifying moment until I was like, okay, uh, you know, I grabbed the uh, AudioQuest Dragonfly Red, and I got a Lightning, another Lightning USB converter. And I'm actually really, really happy with that. I've also been using a dedicated digital audio player. And while some people think the time for the digital audio player is dead because phones are so good, uh, as someone who is not constantly in range of decent internet or who doesn't want to blow a huge amount of his phone's capacity on streaming audio over and over again, I have actually been really, really delighted with using a dedicated audio player. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. I think I'm next week. Yeah. But Fio's doing some really good stuff. Cool deal. TCL 8 series. What's the story, man? Holy cow. This is their flagship for this year, mm -hmm. or at least probably one of their very, very top TVs. And it's a premium design. The cool thing about their new LCD panels, number mm -hmm. one, they're using the micro LED backlight technology. So instead of a, a couple dozen LEDs lighting up the screen, maybe from an edge or even direct lit. Right. This has thousands, thousands of tiny little LEDs enabling good. over 900 zones of local dimming. Whoa. So you're able to control what's on the screen very granularly. The fact that they've also now stepped up on both the 6 Series and the 8 Series for 2019 to Quantum Dot Color. This takes care of some of the previous issues I've had with some of their screens with fast-moving objects where you're dealing with phosphor decay in terms of the LED lighting system. Actually, certain colors within that LED would decay slower than others so you could get trailing edges that were maybe magenta or on like a white object moving across the screen. Not accurate. No, or or it's one of those things where once you see it, you'll see it in everything and it's beyond <laughs> annoying. But Quantum Dot gets rid of that problem. Really? And it, because the decay time is instantaneous on all the colors being used. Whereas with those LED systems that were using phosphor enhanced LED and those phosphors, they're Output decay is not the same. They're different speeds. So you would end up, like I said, with uh, an edge that could be tinted funny. Anyway, all that's gone. The 8 Series can sustain 2,000 nits of light output. That's which bright. is That's, that's going to look fantastic for HDR. Doing those highlights and to be able to have 900 plus zones of local dimming control, that's going to provide some pretty amazing looking, I think, for any kind of space content. I was going to say, give or, me the stars on the big black background. But even outdoor scenes, too, where you're trying to mimic, like, oh, this scene is showing sunlight striking the actor or actress, and boom, it, it, it's going to be bright enough to where it's going to impress your eyes. And for everyone I've seen look at a TV that can do something like 10,000 nits or greater, or mm -hmm. 10,000, 2,000 even, say, and there are a handful of TVs <laughs> out there that can do this, that is as important as wide color mm -hmm. or 4K or HDR, it, it's just simply having light that can better match the reality of the real life or outdoor or looking through a window. And one of the things, though, on the early reviews of the TCL 8 series was that its firmware in terms of how it was handling HDR content, it looks to be that, and this is something I would accuse Samsung of uh, starting, in a sense, Samsung was modifying the output of the light graph, in a sense, the EOTF, the electro-optical transfer function of HDR content. At, right. at what light level should a particular code word be 
pumping light out. And it's a it's a known graph. It should be a certain value. But Samsung was brightening it up in the midpoints for whatever reason. I'm willing to bet it probably tested better in just random viewing by random people. And they had enough of that happening to where it's like, you know what, even though this isn't technically accurate for the display of this content, mm -hmm. people prefer it. So we're just going to pump it. And TCL took a page of that, apparently. And their original EOTF function for HDR content was brightening some of the midtones and uh, above where they should should have been. A new firmware just came out within, I believe, a week or so now. Really? Corrected that. Put it back to where it should be. And it's one thing to have that as an option, but if the TV by default isn't doing what you would think it should be for HDR content, either you can struggle with a calibration to get that back where it should be, whereas it's much better to have the factory just say, hey, look, we know what we did there. Mm -hmm. Here's the firmware to make it right. If you want to go ahead and we'll create another preset that will do that midpoint or a mid midband boost so to speak. But otherwise, we're talking currently for the 75-inch model, $3,000. That, oh, wow. that is not a cheap TV. But we're talking also something know, with... You, you say that now, but like two or three years ago, that would have been a 75-inch, a, a $3,000 TV that didn't look like crap would be an amazing bargain three years ago, two years ago. Especially, yeah, getting up into that size. But I think between just this now jump in the number of zones of local dimming, it's not quite per pixel level like we're seeing with some of these upcoming designs where they're right. mashing literally two LCD panels together, one to right. control black and white and the other control color and luminance. This is on a, is a great next step, and we're going to see a lot of companies using lots and lots of these tiny LEDs in mm -hmm. terms of their backlight system, and that ability to do really good local dimming, man, it's just... I got to say, $2,000 for the 65-inch version does not sound bad. Yeah, 3000 for 75 Wait, Wait for a sale. These will right. go on sale. Uh, and like I mentioned, too, the 6 Series, that big update they did there, that's still a terrific value. One of the best TVs for the money you can pick up. But now, for 2019, being equipped with Quantum Dot, you're going to get increased color mm -hmm. saturation in terms of being able to better express that wide color palette used in HDR content compared to phosphor-enhanced LEDs. Right. And you're still stuck with that wonderful... Roku OS operating system, but... We like that. Then the other thing that popped up this week, too, is a Kickstarter project that uh -oh. I had a few people asking me about, <laughs> and it's called the Nebulous Cosmos, the Nebula Cosmos Max. That's quite a name. The world's first 4K home cinema projector with 3D audio. And I had people ask me if, if this is something they should jump in on early. Uh, it is. The, 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 the goals have been met. This will be made unless something goes incredibly wrong. Well, I was laughing when I... And it's Anchor. I, Anchor, I, the, the accessories company. When I owned up the, the Kickstarter page for this, uh, the dollar the, the, the dollar value on it was spiraling upwards, which I guess is, you know, part of Kickstarter's motivation for And I'm I'm not sure why exactly. I, I one, the specs are okay. It it seems to be from its LED light source, which that gives you great longevity in terms of the lamp. You probably will never have to deal with replacing a lamp in this particular projector. This is good. But I'm only seeing something described as SDR color, Rec. 709. That to me, whether you get the 1080p or the 4K option, especially with the 4K option, even if you can and you should be able to put HDR content into this, you're not seeing HDR 4K color right. in terms of that palette used by Hollywood. You're seeing something much less. The other side of that would also be, does Anchor, I, I love them for a lot of their accessories, but do right. they make a good projector? And I well does the third granted, party probably not yeah, does the manufacturer in Shenzhen making this for them do a I, good job? Well, let's let's that's let's, the part. Let's pause for a second. Anchor a, a more of an unknown. They they started out with power supplies like portable charging packs. I uh, use them. Yeah, I own. I I literally own six. There's a USB cable in my bag that I cut in half. I, I had to make an emergency 1 a.m. purchase from a 7-Eleven. Uh, it lasted, I think, a new all-time low, <laughs> nine or ten days before it stopped charging my phone. Oh, um, it's not the worst. It is the worst because uh, it was like. You know, for the for the $14 that cable cost me at 1 in the morning, I could have gotten, like, three Anchor PowerLink 2 cables. I but, have broken their cables, too. I've broken everybody's cables at Well, you have point. skills. You but have skills. But, in the end, I end up always going back there because right. they do last a little bit longer. There are some other good brands. I just bought some off-brand 
to test that out, and so far it seems great. But you know, but anchors they've done amazing. They they've done amazing jobs with the power banks, the the portable batteries. Um, their chargers, like I love, they were one of the first places I saw do like a six in one USB charger where it actually had enough amperage to charge multiple heavy power consuming devices. They do a great job with those. They do a great job with cables. They started doing audio stuff uh, a while ago, um, Bluetooth speakers, and one of the things that was kind of out of nowhere was at least for me it was like the Zolo Liberty, you know, the true wireless headphones they started doing. I'm not so I will a, say this about Anchor then. It's like I, I I respect their quality overall for the variety of products sure. they sell. I just have no knowledge of what the hell they're up to in terms of a projector. Who's actually building this thing for right. them? It, it, hey, if it's the same, if, if it's Foxconn who's also doing the same run for say, you know, Panasonic or BenQ right. or somebody or whoever, that would help. But when it comes down to it, this is effectively a DLP projector, either 1080p or 4K resolution with standard dynamic range color and an LED light source, which is great. If I had that money, what else could you do with that? And one, projectorcentral.com. Right. If you slide over there, pick a budget in your head, like whatever you were about to spend on the Nebula Cosmos, take that cash, look up what, say, a 1080p or 4K option that's well rated by them, tested, Many people own it. You can get some good feedback. There are so many of those options available at, at very affordable prices. And if you compare that with, uh, if you compare that with something like a 92-inch screen, right. or, or maybe even slightly smaller, th- that screen size in particular is perfect for value projectors that might not have all the light output in the world. When you start getting up above 100 inches, suddenly mm-hmm. you either need a very dark room or a very bright bright projector or more so than you would with a slightly slightly smaller 92 inch screen size i mean these are (sighs) but for the same money what i'm saying is you you can find a good value projector a decent screen and then man for the audio side of it i could care less about 3d audio out of a projector it's convenient to have speakers in a projector i mean especially for quick and dirty presentations (laughs) but i ain't looking at that this is this is I, i mean this is a I ain't looking at the projector as the primary audio source for anything. Right. I mean, the, and it's more stuff in the, there. The price is, you know, so currently the 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 deal for for the the 1080p Cosmos is four hundred sixty nine dollars. Oh. So oh, okay. You, but at that point, you're getting a nine hundred lumen 1080p projector and two 10 watt speakers. Good built for in. a dark room. Yeah, that's good for a dark room. It's you know, it's good for your backyard because they have this great. There's a great picture on the Kickstarter page where there's like a massive 100 inch screen and the couple are lovingly looking at each other. Because LG does laser and LED based portable projectors right. with speakers built in, with apps, with Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. The prices aren't much higher than that. Granted, yeah, yeah but I mean, talking about, like two or three times talking more, about but. your talking about your HDR10 performance and your HLG performance on I, a 1500. It's Supports those formats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Projectors in HDR is generally very difficult. And Mm -hmm. color in particular. To get a wide color palette on a modern projector, it's not cheap currently. No. Um, I'm not seeing value projectors that are delivering DCI color, not just your Rec. 709 color that just about every projector can hit nowadays. However, you know, it's... Part of it's like so when you look at this, you know, this is excellent marketing. Right? It, They've it, got they have fourteen. Uh, they have like one thousand four hundred fifty-seven backers. Forty-nine days to go. One point two million dollars pledged. Their they're making projectors goal. at some point. Yeah, I'm not super. I, just, I don't see it as the be all end all with no. so many great options out there at a variety of price points. If you want a super cheap projector. This is going to be a super cheap projector. And in that it's LED-based, too, that's kind of nice where you don't have to think about lamp right. life or anything. And this is good. Robustness. And it's and it's a fast color system that actually pairs quite well with the LP. I have no problem with the base technology they're describing. Yeah. It's just... I'm just trying to figure out... Considering when it's going to ship and yeah. what you could do today for similar amounts of money. Well, granted, that $400 price point, even at that cheap... That's still pretty good. Or for yeah. five, under 500 As long as you have a really dark room yeah. and you don't expect a lot out of the uh, audio on this. The other thing to be aware of, too, is that we were talking about streaming sources and content quality overall. Be aware that when you start getting into right. 80 plus inch screen sizes, especially with projectors, be it 1080p or 4K, your perception of image artifacts is going to increase dramatically. You're going to see every flaw in that video. On any projection system, if you are trying to show that off, 
your Blu-rays and your ultra high def Blu-rays are going right. to be the best looking material for showing that off. Bar none, a 15 megabit HDR stream from Netflix can look pretty <laughs> good too. I, 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 I appreciate that convenience, but nothing beats a massive bitrate for really good looking video. No, I also laugh because you know when you they're comparing this to. A, for I mean, example, an L... The 500 bucks isn't chump change in, in, in the world of projectors. That's a good value for 1080p. Right. But there are other options, too, that are already out there with yeah, plenty of people I, hammering on them. I, I mean, I one... Okay, we, we will reserve final judgment until we actually totally. see one of these, right? Totally. Period. But the biggest advantages to this have less to do with what we expect out of the audio or video quality and more to do with the fact that, hey, a $30,000 LED lamp, that's that's pretty 30, good. 30000 hour. 30000 hour, sorry, LED lamp. But it's funny because they have this big chart at the bottom of the Kickstarter post where it's like the Nebulous Cosmos Max versus the Epson 4010 and like an LG that I'm not familiar with. But the 4010, I've seen a lot. And yes, the 4010's like priced at $1,800. Well, they're pricing this at $1,000. You know, the Epson 4010, it's 2,400 lumens. It has an $8,000 lamp battery life. We'll eventually have to replace that lamp. It is HDR. Uh, it, you know, it does not have an operating system. The, the Cosmos Max is running Android 9. That's um, a tough thing, though, for folks to, when you're shopping for projectors, it goes back to that, can it, everything is pretty much HDR compatible nowadays, right. but can you actually reproduce a picture that gives you something close to like, like what that TCL8 series is capable mm -hmm. of in terms of its light output, its color output, and its ability just to maintain all that detail right. and it, it just blow your eyes away. It's Far more expensive to do in Projectorville when yeah. you want wide color palette and 4K and good light output. Right. Those are like, pick two, otherwise you're spending a lot of money. <laughs> it's a three-legged stool. It, it really it, it really is that yeah. way. So, I'm not expecting a lot out of 410-watt speakers. I don't really care about Dolby Digital Plus sound dimension. Because I like having I've, speakers built into a projector for okay. game consoles and but, I mean, light the, use. You know, but if you're when you I know, put the projector outside to watch the ball game or there's, whatever, there's nothing more the pathetic than an 80 inch screen with a weak ass audio system that's coming directly from above you and not from the screen. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Or or on the table in front of you and not from the screen. Chances are the cheap soundbar you currently have is going to be better sounding right than that projector will. So we are curious. I am. We can't wait to see it. I suspect they'll be showing this off at CES. Um, cool. I would not be shocked if they were showing this off at CES. I would be shocked if they were not showing this off at CES. You know, because the MSRP they're listing for the 1080p version is 700 bucks, and they're talking about charging 1700 bucks for the Cosmos Max, the 4K version. So we'll be very curious to see this in in the real world. But in, in looking into the future, right. I see that RGB lasers now are becoming more and more practical. Granted, if you're looking at an RGB laser projector today at 4k it's six figures right and it's not even funny uh, <laughs> they look beautiful but they are crazy expensive however that technology didn't even exist you know five six years ago in, in any kind of practical form right. short of commercial cinema and now we're actually seeing some great great designs popping up man christie digital currently has an rgb design in their catalog and it, if i were building <laughs> if i were building my little theater that's the first thing I would consider if, if, if budget isn't a concern or at least a six figure budget just for a projector. But anyway, projectors are awesome. I think everybody should own one. Right. Especially one that's affordable enough to where you're comfortable taking it outside, using it in unique ways where it's like, hey, I don't mind setting this on the coffee table, <laughs> pointing it at a wall and connecting the game console to let the kids have some fun. I go back to the LG projectors for one reason that I particularly like is that a majority of them that they offer incorporate over-the-air tuners. So literally, I hang off a $10 antenna on the side of the projector outside on a tripod, point it at the wall, and I can watch, you know, live TV after hours when, you know, it's kind of fun. While right. while the weather is still relatively good around here. <laughs> Granted, if you've got snow outside, you know what I mean. But anyway. I'm with you. But I, I appreciate that one little thing. Granted, with any projector, I don't care what brand it is, I almost don't even care if it has integrated Bluetooth, Wi-Fi apps, things like that. Right. You can add a streaming stick to any projector nowadays, no problem. Generally, uh, the, a lot of projectors also incorporate USB ports with enough power to where you can literally drive those sticks right off of the projector itself with no extra wiring or anything necessary. So if you do have a projector and you've said, oh, you know what? 
yeah, my Roku stick or my whoever streaming stick gets shoved in there. And suddenly that can become a very, very useful device or a great upgrade for on the cheap, considering that you can get great streaming products for $30 or right. so. And it, what's nice is, you know, the Cosmos supports HDMI input. And uh, as old-fashioned, as terrible as HDMI cables might be, uh, it's nice oh, to be able to connect whatever better. you want to. to what you yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm going back I'm, to composite. I'm uh, I'm just saying, like, well, I was laughing. It's like it's, it's Wi-Fi. It's Bluetooth <laughs> 5.0. Um, it's mirror cast. But mostly I want to be able to plug my Blu-ray player or my Apple TV directly into it. There are advantages there. Say if you wanted to use that with a pair of wireless headphones or something like that. But that's all stuff you can have. <laughs> if you have a sound bar with Bluetooth in it already, right? pick any projector. doesn't matter what's built into it. As long as it's producing a good quality image that right. you appreciate, you can spend the same amount of money right now. All I'm saying is today, you can spend a, a similar amount of money and have something very compelling that you'll have for years. It doesn't have to be this with its 3D audio, whatever the hell that really means. <laughs> I, 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 I can't bag on something that's not even available yet, but... It's there, and I've had a lot of people we, ask me about it. We and have it, concerns about anything that talks about 3D audio using a 3D audio system we've never heard of. Totally. Um, and like I said, know. stick to a budget. Go hit up Projector Central. Look at some of those reviews. There are some terrific They're options really for every pr price point out there. What have you been watching? A lot of YouTube, baby. Well, well, baseball, now that it's <laughs> over. Oh, I have decided I will never resubscribe to MLB TV again. Really? It is just a pain in the ass when it comes to postseason games. I don't know where I have to live in the United States of America in order to not receive blackout restrictions on every postseason game, including the World Series. That, for someone who pays for the grand package to watch every game, and, mm -hmm. except for local blackout restrictions, until they change that. And I'm aware that the broadcasters are, well, MLB makes it really easy for you or for them to point the finger at the broadcaster saying, oh, that's their decision. Ah, we have no say in that. That's uh -huh. just totally up to your local broadcaster, which is probably true, but it doesn't mean that they couldn't flex a little there and say, hey, look, maybe for postseason games, if you're in the continental United States and you're, you're legitimately paying for our streaming service, maybe you should be able to watch that game rather easily. Unlocator.com It's just the World is, Series. <laughs> it's just the World Series. It was so good, though. That was a great, great matchup. What's game seven? I, I I mean, talk about it. It all went down the way I wanted it to go down, so I'm happy there. <laughs> but anyway, I've been uh, reminding people, too. I had somebody screaming on Twitter at me about how they were unable to watch Game 7 because they didn't have live TV, so they tried to do oh, an no. immediate sign-up for a free sample of YouTube TV or whatever, and that kind of went to hell on them. They weren't able to get a solid stream or whatever. And then I said, well, you could just connect a $10 antenna. I think they live in either Los Angeles or the Bay Area, so I knew they had reception of many channels, <laughs> dozens of channels. And then they're like, but... How much does that cost? And I'm like, there is no fee. What, it's over the air. Remember with, over the air? Start over with the a $10 antenna. antenna. It's been so funny. So as we like, we started out in the Airstream, we had to do a bunch of work to it because there was more stuff that needed to be done. So, you know, we had moved out of the house. We're, we're in and out of the Airstream and in the hotels. And it's been so funny to watch the boys' reaction to commercials oh. because my boys have literally, they've only ever seen commercials at like grandma's house. Or if we stay in a hotel. It's also been funny to watch the quality of commercials depending on what network you are and where you're staying. It grates on my soul to watch commercials. There are some there are some that aren't so bad, but yeah, it, there was there the was one majority where, of them, yeah. I don't know what we were it was we were staying in a place and they had like the worst selection of cable channels in this hotel. And I was laughing because whatever show was on, it was like prime targeting for mesothelioma. Uh, oh, mesothelioma. Uh, mesothe yeah. Mesothelioma. Asbestos <laughs> cancer lawyers. <laughs> we know where you live. Yeah, and it's just like, I remember having Your to dude. sort of explain like, A, like what that was and it, what asbestos oh. was and then why lawyers were looking to add people to class action lawsuits and what class action lawsuits was. As a kid. And, all I, and, and literally like my next thing was to like pull the Apple TV out of storage and put it in my bag to travel with us for the simple reason that I don't want to have to deal with explaining you know, well, look at YouTube. Commercial now. Thing. If you do YouTube as a free service, you're bombarded with commercials, and oh. and personally, I spend the money for YouTube Premium just to avoid that. Yeah, I have no problem paying for that. It's relatively affordable and it keeps me from going crazy. 
One quick shout out to a channel on YouTube that I absolutely love at this point. It's something <laughs> called Tech Ingredients. Uh, this gentleman just does awesome DIY science learning content that is super easy to binge. Uh, a commenter actually on one of his recent episodes mentioned that it's like Mr. Wizard for adults right. in a sense. It, it, this this guy seems to, I would suspect he's probably an electrical engineer or a very well-versed person who's probably semi-retired and just doing incredibly cool stuff in their household lab, so to speak. <laughs> uh, total fun to watch. However, I will warn you that some episodes have audio issues that are just annoying. They seem to be getting much better, though. That's there good. was one in particular where he literally had this sine wave generator going for five minutes and there was, and he was talking over it the whole time, and there was no reason to have that sine wave generator still running. It's like he already did the measurement. Just hit the stop button. Stop. Stop. <laughs> but anyway, check that out. Tech ingredients. Uh, some really cool stuff, including some. If you're into building your own speakers, or you're into creating your own devices, or you just want to learn more about material sciences, or uh, electronics, drones, uh, there's a little bit of everything on this channel. And uh, I'm shocked it isn't more popular than it is, but maybe it's maybe it's just appealing to me in my own little Google-curated playlist of stuff that pops up in front of my eyes, but I, oh, I totally goodness. recommend that. It's pretty awesome. Man, I finally be getting a chance to finish up uh, season three of The Deuce, which is an HBO series about uh, Times Square and the uh, evolution of the of the pornographic uh, uh, oh. movie industry, um, which is really fascinating for me because some of the stuff they've been exploring. Uh, so I showed up in New York City in 1988 uh, when I started college, and sort of some of what I saw in the ten or so years, you know, the eight or ten years I was floating Back around when New York, York City, was nasty. Well, yeah. Well, it was funny because it was it was it was much today. nastier. Yeah, it was much nastier a few years before I got there. But what's fascinating is they're doing uh, a lot of what they did to clean up Times Square is a is a huge component in this series where it was this terrible, terrible place, and it was. And then they started doing stuff to sort of clean it up, which I showed up in the middle of, and then I saw the sort of middle and end game of what starts in this series. So it's really fascinating to me to see... The, um, the Deuce kind of covers that period of time. Yeah. Right in there. And how the, the transition. And yeah, and it's also interesting because I realized this is the playbook that a lot of, of, of smaller cities or other cities then used to uh, clean up neighborhoods or gentrify areas of the city. Like, you know, certainly like some of what's going on in downtown Oakland. Uh, I don't think it's worked quite the way they expected it to in San Francisco, but that's a conversation for another day. Seriously. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's... It's all good. Salesforce Tower, amazing building. It still smells like an outhouse at the base because they can't get the smell out of the concrete. Um. Wow. <laughs> I still haven't been in that building up to the Sky Deck yet. Uh, I need to. It next is, time I'm in town. So the, uh, the transit center now that I'll they've got that. it open again is extraordinary. Less it, likely a visually to stunning building. It was never particularly likely to collapse, but no. they had a. I, I, fresh I, cracks in. I can't, fresh metal. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was. You know, unlike any, unlike say the Bay Bridge, they actually went all out on. Yeah. Uh, on putting together sort of a blue ribbon task force to oversee the decision-making process with a lot of engineers far, far from the project or the Bay area to, to make the structural decisions on that. Very cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it is an absolutely beautiful building. And the, the, my wife was working very close to that for most of last year and got to spend some time on it. She actually knew one of the people involved in the building project and, uh, uh, didn't get to talk to him about that, but, but got to sort of, uh, it's it, it was fascinating to watch them find those cracked beams and they were massive beams and then figure out what happened and figure out how to fix it and what was going on. Uh, I, I it's tough they... to build big things in the Bay Area. Apparently so. <laughs> we got we got leaning towers. We got broken bolts. We got weird chemical reactions. There's a, a distinct lack of business space in in San Francisco and it's going crazy. Well, there's there's business space. It's just incredibly expensive. Yep. And so. apparently it's down to like, there's only like 3% vacancy or something, mm -hmm. some crazy low That's number. about where it was during the peak of the dot-com so. years, but there's a lot more actual real money this time around, That's, we think. It's going to be interesting, man. <laughs> I have been messing around with DJI's uh, Mavic 2 Zoom mm -hmm. for a while. I took that on a trip with me when I went to Illinois over the summer, and I had a blast just learning how to 
utilize that and using it as kind of a scout tool, but they just came out with the new Mini. Mm-hmm. And I am fascinated by that little drone. I, I think I might actually pick one up or at least gift it to a friend of mine that I can borrow it from <laughs> on a regular basis. Uh, the one beauty about that particular drone is it's under that 250 gram limit or right. whatever. So you don't need to check in with the FAA every well, time. Well, technically you... you don't need to check in with the FAA now, but that's a... If you've tried to fly a DJI drone... If you're in a no-fly zone, well, you, yeah, you can't take off. You you can't throw a rock and hit an airport, but you can almost yeah. throw a rock and hit an airport. We're, we're, I mean, I'm and even closer to the airport than you are. I now have good awareness of what <laughs> 500 feet looks like for an aircraft, and when occasionally the news helicopters are well below that, yeah. zipping to something. And I'm like, hey, wait, that's not legit. You must, oh, whatever. They're but news anyway. helicopters. They do what they want. They're a law unto themselves. Uh, and granted, some of the places I've flown clearly, yeah, I'm watching a flight path go by, and yeah. they're, they're all those things. Well, I always laugh because that's kind of cool, though. I the, like that built into the software like that. The uh, Costco in, in Davis is underneath the approach for the General Aviation Airport in Oakland. And, you know, talk about being able to reach up and touch a plane on approach. Yeah. Uh, there's moments like that. I got to give a shout out. I uh, absolutely adored Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. My boys love that movie. Oh, cool. I am I am stricken that Spidey is going back into Sony, but I got to say Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was a fantastic movie. I don't think I've seen any of those movies. How Some weird. of them are really good. Okay. I, you know, watch the I'll, Avengers I'll, stuff. I'll You'll catch it all eventually. up and get busy. You know, and uh, so I mentioned it before, the uh, digital audio player I've been playing around with is the Fio M9 and the Fio... Uh, uh, M5, but the Fio M9 is a big Android-based, uh, capable of streaming uh, digital audio player with a fantastic. Uh, is that a protective case on it? Yeah, it's a protective case on it. Uh, but I've been using this a ton because I've been traveling in a lot of areas where you can't actually stream audio because there is no yeah. freaking connection to. What kind uh, of battery cell like tower? On something like this? Not as much as I'd like, but we just did a firmware update on that, so I will talk more about that next cool. week. Yeah. Um, probably nine to eleven hours, but hopefully it has gone up. That the part of it's Ooh. that it has a big ass wireless high res audio. Wow. <laughs> Now, that, if for someone like you, as a portable device, especially if you can't be connected all the time, that's absolutely awesome. Well, and it's, it's also has, it has two micro SD card slots. So I have 400 gigabytes in one, about to put 400 gigabytes in the second. So it allows me to. That's something I kind of miss on going, switching over to a Google phone is the lack of SD card slots where I used to just, lo- I used to have a card full of my music, I full had, of my whatever. I had 300 gigabytes stored yeah. on the SD card in my in my uh, G6, in my Motorola G6. And basically to manage my kids' iPads, because we use them as part of their education, I needed to have an iPhone to make it easier for me to manage the iPads. But I got to say, the storage options suck and not having a headphone jack is a wicked pain in my ass. So hey, ask at avxl.com is the email address uh patreon.com slash avxl if you want to support the show please head over there and we will see you next week ladies and gentlemen sooner than later sooner rather than later i'm patrick norton i'm robert heron thanks for listening